So welcome back to Cointel Bros. Um, as always, I am one of your hosts, Zero. And I'm your other host, Sun. Yep. And so today or this week or whatever, we're going to be talking about theosophy. And um, this is probably our first episode that probably like where we cover a topic that should deserve its own podcast, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. we're going to try really hard to condense a decent amount of information into like an hour. Um, like always, if this is something that you're interested in or whatever, uh, we're going to be throwing around a lot of names, a lot of terms, a lot of proper nouns and stuff. So feel free to pause it and kind of write down stuff you don't know and, and all that. Cause this is like super dense. I mean, it's a, it's a religious system, you know, so we're not going to be able to cover really that much of it in an hour. Um, and, but we will try to go over a lot of the basics and yeah, you know, like as always, if anything, kind of tickles your fancy just please go and, and dive down that uh that rabbit hole because there will be just countless countless um but yeah so uh theosophy is um is a religion and and that that point is contested um official the official stance from the organization from the theosophical society which is the organized um i don't know like the organization that promotes theosophy so I guess to to backtrack the tiniest bit, you know, we're one minute in, I already got to backtrack. But like <laughs> the religious system is called theosophy. And then there is a theosophical society, which is the quasi-religious movement, quasi-cult, quasi-school of thought. It's like, a, it's it's hard to describe them. And then they've been described by outsiders one way and then insiders as another, but they're, they are two separate entities, right? So there's like the theosophical society, which will have branches in like major metropolitan areas and they hold meetings and stuff like that. Um, and then there's the, the system known as theosophy and their official stance is that they are not a religion. They don't consider themselves to be a religion, but religious scholars and theosophical scholars 100% think that they are are a religion. But regardless, theosophy was established in the United States during the late 19th century, founded primarily by the Russian immigrant uh, Helena Blavatsky. And she is up there with Crowley, Aleister Crowley, as one of, if not the most important occultists in the last three or 400 years, um, you know, depending on the schools of thought that you follow and stuff. But she, we're not going to have this episode be about her. We might do one about her later, maybe, but like, she's very, very complicated, very dense individual. Um, and we'll obviously have to brush on her from time to time, but we're not going to do a deep dive on that because that's another topic that would deserve its own actual podcast that we're we're just like mm-hmm. not equipped right now to to really get too deep into that. But um yeah, yeah. Theosophy in and of itself is heavily drawn from her um her writings, right? And so Theosophy is categorized by scholars of religion as both a new religious movement um and also as a part of the occultist stream of western esotericism drawing heavily upon European philosophy such as Neoplatonism as well as Hinduism and Buddhism. All right. 
theosophy is um, it's interesting and it's important in the history of Western occultism and, and uh, Western religion, you know, uh, esotericism as a whole. Because as you'll as you'll kind of gather, um, this point in time, you know, like the late 1800s, um, theosophy was officially established in 1875 in New York. Uh, that was when the Theosophical Society was actually founded by uh, Blatz, uh, Blavatsky and, and two other dudes. But um, mm-hmm. theosophy came at a time when the, the East was really starting to open up and um, occult groups and esoteric circles were really popular, especially in, in Europe. It was like a high society, um, not like a parlor game, but it was it was like in vogue if you were rich and powerful mm-hmm. or like an artist or something to be involved in a magical group. And this is any time that we say magic, this is magic with a CK. Right. And, yes. um, yeah. Yeah. And that was like really in vogue. That was really popular at the time, um, the late 1800s. And so this was kind of like part of the heyday of like seances and, you know, all the like the you you know, you'd pay ten bucks to go sit in a room with a lady who said that she was a psychic with a crystal ball and like this was like when that was like very, very popular. This is what high society did. Um and Blavatsky was uh, one of arguably, if not the first person to really push into mainstream the synthesis of um Western esoteric thoughts and practices and then Eastern um esotericism as well. Um and a mm-hmm. lot of the theosophical um, beliefs or customs or whatever you want to call them because it it gets really weird because they, they try to be like a culture and know themselves but then also they're kind of a religion and it's like a whole way of life thing and it's a school of thought it's it's mm-hmm. like I said like it's it's very complicated when you get into the underpinnings of the movement but it it is what it is but it was the first time that you could really synthesize the east and the west and that was that was sort of uh, what their their claim to fame was then was like the best example of like um, Orientalism mixed with occultism where they're they're bringing all of these ideas from the East and, and inter- introducing them to people in the West under this guise of it being um, this high, high magic, this, uh, you know. So, uh, like I said, they were founded in 1875 in uh, in New York City. And then um, in the early 1800, or 1880s, excuse me, Blavatsky and one of the other dudes who was Henry Olcott, O-L-C-O-T-T. And I mean, I don't know how much we're really going to mention the other founding guys aside from Blavatsky. Because there's Henry Olcott yeah. and then there's William um, Juan there, Judge. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, it's okay. Their, their only importance in history um, is what they were studying as a background. And it was just the same common denominator as Blavatsky. So they're, they're less important obviously, but that's really their only like, yeah, you're going to run into, they were studying the same stuff. They were into it. They traveled. That's it. They're not, yeah, they're not, they're not super interesting on their own. Um, they are part of this like class of self anointed (laughs) philosophers from back in the late 1800s where they would like read esoteric books and join an esoteric society because there were a million of them. And then they would like travel to somewhere in the quote East and then they would come back and try to synthesize basic principles of like Buddhism or Hinduism or, you know, stuff like that and act like it was the deepest Mm -hmm. shit that they've ever like it. 
it's pretty fucking obnoxious but um the yeah but yeah they also had this track record for um kidnapping from tibet um the ones that were like studying theosophy i don't think it was called theosophy at the time it was just like their ancient religion um but yeah they would like take kids and be like okay can you work for us we'll give you the best education and so i don't know they were that's what they were doing <laughs> yeah it's it's a whole complicated fucking thing but so after blavatsky went to india um she her two big works are isis unveiled and the secret doctrine now, admittedly, I haven't read both of these things back to back because they're dense and long and, you know, they're kind of boring and, and it's sort of masturbatory at times. But, you know, if you're into magical thought, you should at least give them a, a, a glance. I've read like Im, like highlighted important passages. They have like annotated versions as well and like abridged versions online mm-hmm. you can get, um, you know, but it mm-hmm. it's. We'll get into the actual beliefs, but it's it is what it is. Um, but it's important to note too that at the time, um, Blavatsky was repeatedly accused of fraudulently producing a supernatural phenomenon, um, and so that becomes like a big a big part of it too. Is uh, with theosophy, particularly um, when you get into the history of of Western esotericism and occult thinking. Um, At that time, especially, everyone was in at least one group. And most of the time, people were in multiple, like, organizations and orders and and cults and things like that. A lot of people did not like theosophists. Um, They held uh, social importance, and a lot of times they had, like, good economic standings within various communities, but... If you were an occultist at the time, you were pretty much across the board either with them or against them. Um, a lot of people thought they were full of shit or it they were kind of seen as like tricksters almost because they were sort of taking advantage of the fact that the East was opening up and they were sort of mm-hmm. making these basic principles mm-hmm. of Hinduism and Buddhism uh, seem more important and deep than what they were it's it, it gets like a it, it gets complicated but it it really it it i don't know just like something to keep in mind when we go through all this is that um theosophy even from the beginning was sort of contested and then especially after blavatsky uh passes right. um they uh mm-hmm. they sort of split up even more and so there's a bunch of different um schools within theosophy later um but regardless of right. that um, one of the the key points of theosophy is that it is a rehashing of a universal religion. So the whole thing is that, and this is, I don't know, I can, we said this before we started recording, we could talk about this for an hour, we could talk about this for a fucking week. Um, but the yeah. whole thing is that Blavatsky asserted that there are these things called the uh the ancient masters or the masters right and they form this mm-hmm. the white brotherhood mm-hmm. is what it's called and and you see that in a lot of like new age stuff um quasi new age stuff um from around this time and these ancient masters the secret masters the secret chiefs they get called all these different things but they were reportedly these vessels of the world's ancient spiritual knowledge 
and were like appointed to watch over humanity and guide human evolution, right? And this mm-hmm. secret class of like all-knowing wizard guys allegedly got a hold of Blavatsky and taught her their shit and wanted her to be their emissary. Mm-hmm. This is something that you are going to see in every fucking organization from the late 1800s that claims to be like a legitimate esoteric order. All of them say they're in touch with secret chiefs or the secret masters mm-hmm. or the ascended ones. And they alone were given this doctrine that was a synthesis of the best parts of every other religious system. You know, the idea being that there was one religion and then when everybody split up, it's kind of like a Tower of Babel or like a Pangea sort of thing where there was a a religious monolith that got split up. But this is the true religion. And you're going to find this in every fucking cult and every fucking you know, religious movement like this, all of them purport to have the real shit going on and everyone else is fake or they kind of get it right, but they don't get it the whole way. Right. And, you know, so this idea, um, within the masters is that there were a bunch of the famous, like religious figures were allegedly part of this white brotherhood, this, this, uh, you know, like this, this whole organization of people who are trying to to help everyone through religion. Uh, people included like from the Bible, like Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. They also threw in, you know, the original Buddha and Confucius and Lao Tzu. You get um, mm-hmm. people at the time who were modern, like uh, Cagliostro and Mesmer and, and shit like that. But it, it, it kind of, it just stinks like bullshit. Like I'm not trying to like, really pass a lot of judgment, but it, it, their whole thing was that if you were important religiously, you were a part of this group and it was all one train of thought separated by space and time. And she was getting messages from the group that these people represented. Right. And yeah, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was sorry. Um, and, uh, What's what's strange about this, too? And like, yeah, thank you for spilling the history of this. That's very important. Um, They were always very and they were interested specifically in evolving man from like um, an astrological astrological point from like Pisces to Aquarius. Um, And it's yeah, it's just like a bunch of these dudes with power and money who claim like they just made the secret club and said, hey, if you're also in contact with these secret divine sources, you can also be in this club. And um, yeah, just like moving forward, it's it, it's uh, good to be wary of like the who was involved because these were like really rich people. It's always been like elites in in society. Um, so like what their end game was, what their goals were. But yeah, just a bunch of dumbass wizards. I also call BS <laughs> card. Yeah, it they're important historically, and you know, like they, what they say is interesting because they're not off the mark. But the way that they tried to capitalize on it is is pretty fucking stupid. But so this general yeah. idea, right, is that there was this ancient religion, and Plato knew about it, and Hindu sages knew about it, and all these renowned religious figures from back in the day knew that there was this ancient religion and this is what they were trying to promote, but they didn't have like the vocabulary for it. 
and that there's been this like underpinning in all of human civilization in terms of you know their religious beliefs that um, they were kind of all on the right track, but no one really got it. And so they, you know, they, they cherry picked the best parts of every religion and, and said that this was, was the true one. Mm-hmm. And the idea of theosophy, one of their sort of goals is that theosophy would spread throughout the world and replace all the big religions, right? And everyone would realize that mm-hmm. theosophy is the way to go. Um, what they were doing isn't wrong, but it's not right, blah, blah, blah. Um and it's it's pretty funny to note here that uh, they were criticized heavily by Buddhists and Hindus. I mean, everyone, you know, mm-hmm. but especially Buddhists and, 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 and the Hindus just because they, um, you know, they realized that these people were just coming in and trying to culturally appropriate their beliefs. And it was fucking, it's fucking dumb. Um, and uh, some people yeah. just straight up uh, accused Blavatsky of misrepresenting <laughs> Asian culture and Asian traditions in order to make money off of it, which you're not fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, We only have a, (laughs) I only have like one or two more things to say about like the meat of the religion before we get into, to your fun stuff. And for those of you guys listening, you know, thanks for listening, obviously, but um, we're trying to make it so that I'm going to do the, the nuts and bolts, like boring stuff. And then son's going to have fun with it and go into all the, the more interesting <laughs> shit, but I'm just going to be boring and lay down the groundwork so people kind of get an idea of what we're talking about. But there's, you know, like when you get into the nuts and bolts of theosophy, like it's fucking dense and it's fucking boring. And they have this whole like cosmology system set up with every solar system being a model of, of the universe. And there's guardian planets and there's subservient planets and currents running through all of it. It's just like a bunch of gobbledygook. Um, that I didn't really take the time to get super into because it's fucking, I think it's fucking stupid, but whatever. Um, w- an important cultural thing to to note on, and this will probably be uh, one of my last little boring points. Um, theosophy heavily influenced Nazism um, and Hitlerism, whatever you want to call it. Um, for a lot of different reasons. And we'll get into that when we actually get into the Nazi stuff, which we will have to do at least one episode on because uh, we bring them up every fucking week. Mm-hmm. But the <laughs> Theosophists and uh, more importantly, Blavatsky really promoted this idea of root races and a root race long and short was like a predominant race or type of humanoid to an, or whatever you want to call it, like, like a human as consciousness. And they represented the different evolutionary patterns of that consciousness. And so I'm going to name off some fucking terms and you'll see what I'm talking about where they just cherry picked everything to make themselves sound legit. Right. So mm-hmm. let me see if I can find the uh, like the different root, root races. So, yeah. So like you have like this first root race, which was pure spirit. And they lived on some continent known as, quote, the imperishable sacred land, which is fucking stupid and then you have the second root mm-hmm. race which were the hyperboreans who were made of pure spirit but lived in the north pole which then had a mild climate right so that ties mm-hmm. into stuff we've already talked about and stuff we will in the future um the third root race were called the lemurians who lived on the continent of lemuria and they yep. allegedly um through like the theosophical system are the like their direct descendants are like Aborigines and people in Southeast Asia. 
right? So they're mm -hmm. it, another example of them trying to kind of do a catch all of mythology and occult buzzwords and then tie them to this like orientalist idea of like these people who you will probably never meet in your life they know what the fuck's going on and i i know their religious systems right so yeah i can talk to i understand yeah no doing. like i have the resources to get to australia and i've been to these like remote <laughs> locations and trust me like they're saying the same shit as me dude um <laughs> yeah and it was sometime around this this fourth root race situation um, where that was like the Atlanteans, this Atlantis era. And that was when, um, you know, people, higher beings descended onto the planet. Uh, and this is where like the physical bodies of humans started to develop and the sex were separating. And it's just fucking nonsense. So they were, you know, mm -hmm. the, the Atlantis shit was going on. And then, um, and this is where you get into the, like the racist shit too, that she got criticized for forever. Where the Atlanteans mm -hmm. were the predominant human, you know, human race or human experience or whatever. And some of them were giants and, and they built all the big ass monuments. They did Stonehenge. They did all the Egyptians. They did every, all these big ass monuments were all the Hyperboreans. Or no, excuse me, okay. the Atlanteans. They were all the Atlanteans and whatever. And then this is what they believe is that the Atlanteans started fucking gorilla or fucking the animals and that was how you got gorillas and mm -hmm. chimpanzees. So that explains why we're kind of close to them, but not close is because these, these Ubermensch uh, Atlanteans started fucking animals. And that's where we get chimpanzees and apes and shit. And then um, Atlantis sunk and they all went to Egypt. And so Egypt is the direct descendant of Atlantean culture. And then sometimes later on, they threw in like Mesoamerican culture as well as being the... Uh, continuation of the Atlantean traditions. But then we get to the fifth root race. And this is the important one because the fifth root race are called the Aryans. And yeah. hopefully that sounds fucking familiar to people. And uh, she believed that the fifth root race would come to be replaced by the sixth, which would be heralded in by the arrival of this like Messiah. Right. And that through the passing of these root races, uh, humanity would eventually develop into the final root race, the seventh root race. And then we'll reach the end of our evolutionary cycle and we will all withdraw from Earth and, you know, shed our physical forms and blah, blah, blah. And the reason that's really important and the, is because obviously um, the Aryan root race and Aryan you know, teachings of Nazism are the, it's the same thing. So a little spoiler, mm -hmm. the Nazi, uh, Nazism was heavily influenced by occult and esoteric ideas. Um, I, I hope that most people know that, but you know, whatever. And most of it was theosophy. Um, it was what fueled a lot of their Orientalist ideas and agendas. That's why the Nazis were so preoccupied with, Egypt and Asia and Tibet and all this shit. And that's why the, the, um, the third Reich was so focused on the Aryan purity and the Aryan brotherhood. And that the, the term Aryan doesn't come from the historical Aryan people of the steps. It comes from this, uh, theosophical idea of the root race of the Aryans, which will usher in our, our greater ascension. All right. And, 
that will probably be the longest lasting effect of the Theosophical Society for better or for worse is that their kind of racist um, idea of race and culture uh, led to the predominant uh, racial doctrine and social doctrine of Hitler's Third Reich, right? So that's yes. that's kind of yes. like the yes. the most interesting stuff of like the religious and historical shit aside from the fact that uh, they did believe in a messiah or they do believe in a messiah and that it had that the messiah had gone through many incarnations so you have like Krishna and Jesus mm-hmm. and and whatever the fuck and so mm-hmm. they're kind of looking for a messiah but that's like not a real bi- it's like the same way that like there are christian sects that are still looking for like a new messiah or like the ushering in of whatever right and not everyone's like super into it, but like the hardcore people are. And that's kind of the same fucking thing with theosophy. But, mm-hmm. you know, like their, their big things are, and again, it's, it's, it's very stereotypical within like new age shit where you, you, they believe in karma and reincarnation and, and spiritual ascension, blah, blah, blah. And so their whole basic big thing is like, you're a good person, you get good karma, you reincarnate until you get like perfect karma and then you can escape your physical form and join the one absolute that is pure light. Like, you know, all that that hippie bullshit that, that you hear from all the new age people. Um, you know, some of it might be accurate, mm-hmm. I don't know. But like they were the first big group to push that shit. You know, they were the first, yeah, one of the first groups that really caught on with, with that idea. Really, really, really bringing karma and reincarnation and like spiritual ascension um, to Western audiences. And yeah, yeah. So that I don't know. Let me see that that that's like kind of it. Like aside from that shit, like they don't really have like a moral or ethical system and they don't really have any of their own rituals. You know, it's not like one of the fun occult uh, currents. You know, they don't have any any interesting shit going on that that we'll get into when we we talk about other systems and shit but like i mean aside from that like they're the only other like real interesting thing that that i kind of wanted to bring up was uh that fucking thomas edison was allegedly a theosophist um yeah exactly yeah and you know like if you want to get into their fucking history it's really fucking dumb and it follows the same course that every other group like this at that time went through where they had their enigmatic leader and was super charismatic and everyone thought that they were the shit. And then as soon as the main person dies, it's a war of succession and splinter groups and police and people being called a fraud and people being exposed (laughs) and people trying to sue each other. And it's fucking, it's very funny and it's, it's very, very boring. So I'm not going to, gonna really get into that but um yeah i mean if you yeah like thomas edison was allegedly involved excuse me you'll find like some other important like artists and poets and people who fucked around at least a little bit and it's hard to say how involved they were like some of the people who you'll find were like just like actual card carrying members and some like would go to meetings Mm -hmm. or some were like reportedly interested in it. And like, I mean, I I will say that I have heard that the Theosophical Society does have a really good occult and esoteric library. Uh, There's one here in in Baltimore that I haven't gone to, but 
If you look on like their websites and shit, we'll check it out. Yeah, they have like an open library night or whatever where I think you pay like five bucks and you can go in and you can just kind of like browse their like their their esoteric library. And I don't think that the Baltimore branch is like really big, but um, I definitely want to go check that out at some point. And I think that they have like lectures and shit too. But yeah, I mean they. Yeah. Yeah, that that's kind of all I really wanted to say. I mean, you can they laid the groundwork for a lot of a lot of a lot of that shit. Um and I, I hope that some of those yeah. terms and, and general ideas are like current sound familiar to people. Um, but they were one of the first, you know, so they laid the groundwork for this sort of like new age system and a lot of like the fetishizing of the West type of shit, you know, like they were were some of the pioneers and a lot of people copied various parts of their, of their system and their, and their organization. Um, but that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's fucking it that I was going to bring up. Now you can do all, all your fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for laying that down. Um, if any of those buzzwords like caught anyone's attention, obviously just, I know that we're going to say this every time, but just look this shit up. <laughs> You know, um, a simple search is really good and it, uh, it's good to practice questioning. It's good to practice, um, critical thinking, especially during this time in which, um, you know, the UN, the Lucius Trust, which we've talked on, um, has kind of utilized and capitalized on theosophy to kind of main, mainline our thoughts, um, so that questioning a higher authority or a higher answer um, is like wrong. So critical thinking is a must. Um, yeah. So I did want to touch on them being the first big ones to, um, have major influence so much influence that they, um, basically controlled a global network and a global organization, which we have come to love and learn about, uh, the UN. So if people, um, listen to a previous podcast, um, the Lucius Trust was spoken about, and it is a publishing company that was, uh, back in, back in 19, back in 1920 something, um, Alice Bailey founded the Lucifer Publishing Company, which is now the Lucius Trust. Have you ever read any of Bailey's books? Um, just to throw out fun. Have I? No. I've been well, to read. I've like skimmed them. I also have highlight highlight them, similar to Blavatsky's work. Yeah, I've never read any of Bailey's stuff, but I've, it's always been one that I've been meaning to. Once I get done doing the stuff, I actually want to. I didn't mean to interrupt. Just I just thought. About yeah. That. No, it's okay. You can interrupt. Um, no. So Alice Bailey was uh, a pretty influential dude. Obviously, I'm trying to find the exact date that he started. This, he, he started um, doo, 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 the Lucius Trust. Sorry, guys. My brain's a little bit fuzzy today, so go easy on me. Um, but yeah, so the Lucius Trust uh, was a publishing company that printed and was responsible um, for works such as the word Goodwill, or a lot of um, Crowley's teachings and a lot of um, Blavatsky, a lot of like occultists uh, used this organization, which was actually a cathedral before it was, you know, a building or a stronghold for this organization. Um, 
And a lot of these teachings that were published um, through this company were had their base in theosophy, had their base in ritual magic, and had their base in believing like this mind over matter situation. And they turned that into a religion, but they don't like to use the word religion. Um, I think the only thing that I'm going to deep dive into is kind of trying to prove or trying to show or, I don't know, explain why the UN and theosophy um, are kind of being used right now to implement this like one right way of thinking, this one right speak. And if you go against that speak or thought, then they can um, either punish you or correct you or keep you in line. We're seeing that with censorship. We're also seeing that in the world with people getting in conspiracy theorists in general, um, getting in trouble for basically questioning the status quo. Um, I will say that theosophy is not inherently evil or wrong or bad or negative or whatever, but because it has been adopted by agencies that now dictate a lot of global matters, I think it's pretty interesting to at least look into what they believe in, and that is magic. Um, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're a Buddhist, whether, you know, you're an atheist who thinks like all of this is just hogwash, which I mean, to an extent it is. Um, there are people with acclaimed power, <laughs> which I don't think they have power, but with a lot of money who are using uh, these tactics to control people and to brainwash people. Um, and another thing about what Zero was saying was Blavatsky did not call this like a religion. This was just basically this linking tool that would bridge together science and um, philosophy and religion. So it was a system. It was a belief system. It was a way of life. And um, I don't know. It's anyway. Yeah. <laughs> before we get before we get super far away from from her. Um, I thought that it would be cool to bring up Alice Bailey um, was one of, if not the first people to coin the term new age um, within like the new age religious mm -hmm. systems. And also, um, the, you know, like if, if you don't like her, I get it. If you do like her, I get it also. Um, she has been regarded as one of the first important female figures in modern religion. Um, a lot of people kind of point out how she was doing shit like 50, 60 years before a lot of like the women's lib stuff was really, really going strong. So she has she's she's held in high regard um, in a lot of like new age and like neo-pagan circles as as one of the, you know, matriarchs of of those uh, various systems. Yeah. No, thank you. That's like really important to note. Um especially when you look at who coins terms exactly, who creates trends, who makes things popularized enough that they become normalized in daily dinner table conversation. Um, similar to the word conspiracy theorist, right? Like we all know that that was also coined by the CIA um, in order to criminalize in a really vague sense or in order to demonize um, this word and this this way of thinking and questioning, mm -hmm. critically analyzing. <laughs> so yeah, just like keeping in mind how much influence uh, this way of thinking actually has, so much so that we are now seeing a reemergence 
of astrology and tarot and witches and all of this, you know, full moon and uh, all of this stuff. Um, and it's, it's not a coincidence that it's happening in the year of 2020. And it isn't a coincidence also that the age of Aquarius by a lot of occultists and a lot of fringe people, um, see it, see it now. Like if you do this work and you look into this stuff, you can see that the age of Pisces was deliberately replaced with the age of Aquarius because it is the next step in that like, you know, 12 step process, 12 steps. Right? Yeah. Right. The 12 step process um, to how to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. How do I leave? Um, I will say too, uh, me and zero didn't really want to talk about Crowley too much, but, um, I guess it's kind of important to like slightly touch on for a couple minutes. Um, I know that he was obviously, you know, one of the major occultists who worked also with, you know, Bailey, um, and, you know, introduced a lot of these ideas to Huxley who were a part, the whole Huxley family was actually a part of the Fabian society and they were a society of elites that basically were wanting to control and profit off of working class citizens. And they were trying to introduce this way of living um, under the guise of communism or socialism. Um, but they tricked <laughs> people and it kind of turned into fascism. But um yeah, I don't know. Everyone just kind of has been bouncing ideas off of each other. And I don't think any of this stuff any of these ways of thinking are inherently bad, but they definitely have been held in the wrong hands, <laughs> I think. So since you brought up Crowley, um, um, mm -hmm. he did not like theosophy. Um, from all of the stuff I've read about that, like his views on it, like I, he didn't really like that a lot. He recognized that Blavatsky was important for the development of magical systems, but... Two mm -hmm. quotes from, from Crowley regarding theosophy that I think really sums up his view on them. Um, one of them is from Magic Without Tears, and he says, quote, There is a highly popular school of, quote, occultists, which is 99% an escape mechanism. So that's one that kind of <laughs> really sums it up. And then the second one is from um, Liber ABA, um, where he defines a theosophist as, quote, a person who talks about yoga and does no work. So, yeah. you know, it. Yes. Yeah. Like, like, like I said during my segment, um, you know, either you were with them or against them. And a lot of the real serious people. And I, I don't know. I guess that I have a biased opinion on it because I like Crowley stuff more than most other schools of magic. But like mm -hmm. he kind of. Him and, and his his whole school, his vein of of occultism, sort of regarded them as like interesting, but not like anything fucking legit. In like the sense of like they're coming here mm -hmm. to save the fucking planet, like no, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, he called bullshit on a lot of it, which I thought was pretty respectful. <laughs> I, I was like, okay, um, yeah. There's there's just like this very interesting common denominator of ritual magic. Um, and yeah, Blavatsky was called out on a lot of her shit because she was, well, from what I've been reading and from what I just know, like, it sounds like she was doing a lot of talking and not walking, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a, that is, is a, 
a common criticism you'll find amongst uh, more serious, high magic practicing ritualist based occultists is that theosophy mm-hmm. was kind of just like a book club. And like, yeah. I mean, like that's tight, like it's cool, but like, I mean, they don't have any rituals or any real like systems like that. But um, this was during a very competitive time in, in like magical circles. And um, a lot of people who were quote more serious thought that theosophy was, you know, all bark and no bite and, you know, just a bunch of fucking yeah. nerds, which makes sense why Nazis exactly. like them because they were a bunch of fucking pussy nerds too. Yeah, they were. They were such little bitches. So, and that's what I keep bringing up, right? So there's like this underlying thing of, or method of using magic. But then we look at the UN and then we look at theosophy and there's this thing called world goodwill. And um, it's so interesting. So I remember reading about this years ago because I was interested in the goodwill companies, like the thrift stores. And they're if you if you dig into them, they are, there are some pretty evil people behind there. And they are actually in connection with World Goodwill. So um, I'll do the history. Or no, I won't. No, I'm not going to talk about that. Basically, y'all, Bailey established like these series of fronts for the Lucius Trust um, and also Theosophy. And there was the Arcane School, which focused on Aquarian teachings. And that was established in 1923. And then in 1932, and it's also still active today, you can go to the website. It's it's uh, it's laughable. Like, it's so laughable. But basically, the World Goodwill was recognized by the UN as a non-governmental organization who worked directly with, like, federalists. And they worked with the Department of Public Information at the UN. And um, the Lucius Trust is actually on the roster of the UN Economic and Social Council, Um, And on their site, going back to like Christ, (laughs) they do believe in a Messiah, like by a global dictatorship is like, by the way, Christ is going to return, um, you know, all hail the age of Aquarius. And it's it's so new agey, but it's it's what the U.N. claims is their thing. That's like this is what we're going to back up, you know, fuck everything else. Unity and equality is what they say. Uh, you have to act in goodwill towards your brotherhood. <laughs> and um, I don't know. There's also this other school called Triangles, which is a global network of cells whose members pray um, a great invocation. So on the UN site, you can go to the World Goodwills site. And on that site, you can follow along with a full moon and new moon meditation schedule and that just like blows my mind because some of like a lot of this would just be like absolute nonsense and gibberish and, you know, just foolishness a few years ago. But now that it's become so, you know, popularized and normalized in just like pop culture, we're kind of seeing it on a more global scale. So um, the Cathedral of the Divine St. John Um, was actually what the Lucius Trust was called before. And they were located on 666 UN Plaza out in New York. And that has now changed to 777 UN Plaza Street in New York. Um, I don't know, man. This stuff is just like funny to me. But (laughs) basically, y'all, the UN's just trying to make us all think the same and talk the same and act the same 
um, under the guise of goodwill and being good to one another. And they don't have this very strict moral or ethical code because of what theosophy is and what Crowley was saying is like, do without will. So do whatever you can and have to do to achieve your one will. And, and that's it. That's like the rule of life. That's the rule of magic. <laughs> um, I think my only point was like, I want people to really question what communism is in like trendy circles. I really want people to critically think why exactly trends are reemerging that are actual practices of magic, but they have been kind of watered down to appeal to everybody. Um, I don't know. It's like a video game, right? So like, I'm really into gaming. Let's, we could talk about like Fallout New Vegas or the first Fallouts and say they're great games. They were something that people put effort into, but then once you start bringing money into it or you start profit, profiting off of it even more, you're going to water it down so that it appeals to like a master or a mass audience and a, and a broader audience. And um, that's kind of what's going on now. I'm very frustrated at this topic, <laughs> you know, um, especially because a lot of these people who are involved have also been caught um, trafficking children and obviously doing, you know, if you do fringe work, you're going to inevitably run it, come across, um, child abuse and, um, what is it? Se SRE sexual rebuke, sexual ritual, satanic abuse. ritual abuse, SRA. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's hard not to, because in a lot of these practices, and I hate to say there's truth in it, but there is truth in it that, um, I think it was Crowley who said like children should witness like every act of sex, even with animals and even with this, like the most grotesque thing you can think of, it's going to help you um, enlighten yourself. And there is like some weird truth to that, that if you do shadow work, that means that you have to kind of dig deep into every part of you, um, especially the parts that are really ugly in order to unite yourself with yourself, um, which I think is cool because that's basically what Theosophy did was like, let's just bridge the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere, you know, east and west, black and white, red and blue. Um, there were a couple other schools that Bailey established and that are still practicing now. Um, but like Zero said, we're probably just going to do uh, separate podcasts for these people. I would love to do one on Bailey. I would love to do one on Crowley. Um, Blavatsky kind of bores me. <laughs> She's like the Ayn Rand of like, you know what I mean? <laughs> of religion. <laughs> and I'm, I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I definitely want people to kind of question right now. This is more me asking questions to the audience and being like, why are things happening right now? Why is it wrong to question vaccinations? Why is it wrong to critically think and examine? Why are some documents hidden from us? Why is ritualized magic seen in such a negative, but then a very hyper positive light? Like, you know, I don't know. People got to do their own digging. But those, I don't know, those questions are just important to me, especially on this topic where theosophy kind of says, you can, you know, 
find your own will through your own self because like you're your own God, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I, I know when I talk to people about this, they have no idea that the UN who is running like global banks and oil companies and are responsible for UNESCO and are also responsible for some reason for education, but then are also responsible for um, virology and, you know, immunology studies. I want people to be like, okay, cool. So these people that are like bankers and rich believe in magic. It's like, yes, homie, they believe in magic and they're practicing it on us through entertainment. (laughs) Um, A lot of movies show this, especially because movies are funded by similar people working in similar circles and they are heavily funded, you know, upwards of a billion dollars more than in films. And I wish people were like, oh, yeah, they're not just doing this so that I could be entertained because they're not. They don't give a fuck about (laughs) if we're enjoying ourselves. They don't care. They want to see us work for them. So we're going to give them our money to be entertained so we could be silenced and put to sleep. Um, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting. This is a very interesting topic. And they're, like I said, I would really like to maybe cut this topic up into fragments for a month or maybe just like topics like this that could use a whole podcast. Um, but that's what I got to say on it. I just want people to, uh, to really <laughs> open their eyes, as the saying goes, and to kind of um, understand the objectives and the goals that are set in place by the UN and the Lucius Trust and all of these global networking companies don't have our best interest at heart or in mind. Um, yeah, and that's that's all I got to say about, about that. <laughs> um, before we end it, I wanted to sort of bring up one thing about Alice Bailey is that um, with all of the work that she did and and all of her followers do now, um, she was really big on popularizing the divide between white and black magic. Um, That that was a big Mm -hmm. part of her stuff. And a big part of her stuff also um, was promoting white magic. And Mm -hmm. the interesting dichotomy within her, her life and her legacy is that she is linked to the Lucian trust, Lucius trust, uh, Lucifer trust, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think the name evolved and is interchangeable or whatever. And that has a lot of Mm -hmm. negative connotations, um, in and of itself. But then if you look at her body of work, like her written works, um, a lot of it focus on white magic. Most of her work is focuses on white magic. A lot of her organizational uh, structure revolves around like the Great White Brotherhood and Brotherhood of Man and like all those those um, you know New Age ideas. And um, it is an interesting mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting point of study if if you want to get into it. How someone who was very forward facing with the promotion of white magic. And we can, when we do more deep dives into magic, I can really kind of suss out the difference between black and white. But white magic mm-hmm. is, as you can imagine, supposed to be like good magic, magic that helps people, helps the universe, the planet, the whatever the fuck, you know, using your 
using your will and using your energies, your powers, if you're fucking lame, to uh, to help help out, right? So all of her shit was about helping out through magical means, whatever that meant to her or to you or whatever. And then on the other side, you have her influence and involvement in Lucian Trust, which was then involved with the UN. And if you've listened to our episode on the UN, uh, we kind of go over there. Like you mentioned, you know, like their their general system of control, and we tried to illuminate some of like the bad stuff that they do. And it it's a very interesting and complicated and convoluted at times. Like this mincing of terms and this weaving in between like good occultism and bad occultism, all in quotes, obviously, mm-hmm. and and productive uh, processes and destructive processes and free will versus control and all this stuff. And it, it becomes uh, interesting even more so when you look at the people who theosophy has influenced, um, even if they don't really know that it's theosophy, um, you know, you have like Van Morrison and Lou Reed, uh, mentioning Alice Bailey in some of their most important works. Like we said, uh, Thomas Edison was involved in theosophy and you look at the contributions that these people have made to society in air quotes contributions and you can make this argument that they were influenced and pushed by Bailey's idea of white magic and helping everything and how they're the good guys in air quotes or you can say well Bailey was influenced by Vavatsky and Hitler was also or really it wasn't even Hitler it was fucking Himmler um if, if I'm going to split hairs, but um, the Nazis were influenced mm-hmm. by Velasquez also, thus by association, like this shit is fucked up and Thomas Edison's fucked. Like you can fall down any rabbit hole you want when you get in into the, the spider web of connectivity. It's the same thing. If you got to look at it the same way that you would like Christianity or like Catholicism or, you know, Judaism or any religion or any uh, political view or or practice where there's the people who legitimately mean well there's people who fuck up and then there's people who do not mean well but they cloak their activities under this guise of you know i'm here to help we're here to help like you know like letting the vampire into the house type of situation um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it becomes a becomes a whole big thing but hopefully um within this episode um because we got to wrap up like kind of soon. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to kind of go on to? All right. Because as a general send off, I guess, um, I tried to make it a thing in these episodes where we would ask each other if we believed in the conspiracy or the whatever that we were talking about, but we forgot to do that the past couple of times. So I'm going to try to remember mm-hmm. to do that on these episodes, but this one didn't really have like a big conspiratorial tilt because it's very documented their influence. But I guess to go along with that theme, like if I was to be asked, like, do I think that theosophy like had a big play in, you know, in world events for the past 150 years, I would definitely say yes. Um, a lot of the theosophy conspiracy question would be more like, is this being used for bad? Why, why are governments are governments really involved? I think that would be like the conspiracy, right? Cause it's like, a mass people doing something bad air yeah. quotes again to another mass of people. Yeah. If we, if we go down that, if we, if you had to ask me that and I had to say that in one sentence, 
I would probably say I'm split down the middle. Um, because it becomes a thing where you get into higher levels of organized religion, you know, where it's like, if you mm-hmm. look at Catholicism, like, do I think that the lay practitioner who just goes to church every couple Sundays a year is bad? Probably not. Do I think that like the people at the top of the power structure are bad? Yeah, probably. Um, so like in that regard, yeah. like I, I'm hesitant to say that everyone involved in like theosophically influenced organizations like the UN are inherently like fucked and evil, but um, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if the people at the top were and the people at the bottom were kind of oblivious to it. Um, Yeah, exactly. I do think that theosophical modes of thought were used to influence the UN and to influence a lot of these larger global, global structures. Um, I think you could make an argument saying that if theosophy and by extension, the new age stuff and like, I'll call it Baileyism, um, is purporting this idea of like elevating consciousness in order to uh, evolve into the next level. I think you can make that argument within the UN and their whole stated mission of like basically making the world a better place. Um, I also think if you wanted to go like to the negative aspects of, theosophy you could draw a direct line between the influence they had on the third reich and and nazism hitlerism and you could probably make Mm -hmm. an argument that the un is just an extension of that train of thought and as we'll talk about in later episodes they were Mm -hmm. they were blatantly like very openly uh theosophical um, so you could kind of go either way yeah. with that, but I, I, I would definitely make an argument that theosophy is one of the most important religious systems in the past 150 years. And if not one of the most influential, um, religious systems on like our current situation, aside from, you know, like the big, yeah. the big three or the big four who are blatantly involved, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, that's, you know, what do you think? I mean, you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I think people know what I think. Um, I, I, I know that theosophy has been a really beautiful influence. I'm grateful for the influence, even though some people may have misused it. You know, what the fuck does misuse even mean these days? Um, I don't know. I know what I believe. I hope that everyone doesn't become fearful of how it's implemented and knows how to use their own power, <laughs> which I will say every episode too. Um, but no, this is a really, this is a good topic. Um, we'll definitely get into Bailey though. I, I love her work, honestly. Um, it'd be really cool to talk about her. It would give me a good excuse to finally stop procrastinating and read more of her stuff. <laughs> read her work, yeah. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so, you know, as always, thank you for listening. Um, it would mean a lot if you would, you know, give us a good review, a five-star rating or whatever. That's the easiest way for us to really reach other people. Um, we have more views right now than than we kind of thought we would because we have pretty much no promotion right now we're still trying to figure out the best way to do that without compromising the set values of the show um so we're going to hopefully be 
be getting better at that, but we definitely appreciate any and all listenership um, that we have. Um, if you like it and you think your friends would, please, by all means, tell them. Um, we have our website, which is cointelbros.transistor.fm, I think, or transistor.cointelbros.fm. If you Google Cointelbros, you'll you'll find it pretty easily. Um, you know, we have a Patreon that you can find by just going to uh, patreon.com slash cointelbros, um, where we have a few different tiers to help support the show. Um, and then we also do a, a bonus episode each week called The After Potty, which is a little more loose and a little more conversational base where we talk about current stuff and also just like stuff that didn't make it onto the pod about what we think about the topic. And it's, it's a little uh, more informal and stuff, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, just thank you guys so much for listening and taking time out of your day. Um, yeah. You know, don't, don't get too yeah. worked up thank about you. The stuff going on right now. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. We will hopefully see you next week. Um, Yeah. Bye.